Every story needs a hero, and every story needs a villain. Most of us have two lives. The life we live, and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. That is a quote from Stephen Pressfield out of his book, The War of Art, which is a book about unlocking your potential as a creative person and working to get past certain blocks. We'll mention his name a few times throughout this episode, which I'll be honest, this episode, working on this was kind of difficult for me. It was difficult for me to create this episode I'm very attached to art, very attached to music, very attached to the idea of creation. And in trying to create episodes that interest me, you try to make episodes that also interest listeners because that's the whole business of podcasting is put your thoughts onto tape, put it out there and see who you can connect with, who resonates with it. It's not always easy. There's been a few episodes that I've liked, but weren't as, shall we say, in tune with where I was at. But part of the practice of being an artist, being a creator, is doing the work. Because as a passionate creative type, you have to. That's how you get better at it. And it's interesting to me when I meet people that aren't passionate about creating things. They're not passionate about making something. I think that we're kind of alive to create things. I mean, it's bread. I think it's a part of us. I mean, we literally have sex to create other human beings, you know, in order to stay alive. We've had to create shelter. We've had to create things out of necessity, whether they were necessarily creative or forms of expression or not, just creation is what we do. I think anybody can create stuff, whether or not it's considered art is up for debate. It just depends how self-righteous you are on the subject. But with things like music, Things like art, people that create it in order to work past their demons, work past their shadow selves, work with their shadow selves, work to deal with their villainous sides. We do it because we kind of have to. And if you ask any artist what it's like to not be able to create something, not have the time to create when that is all you want to do. It's really difficult to kind of exist, difficult to live. I know from firsthand experience that when I am not creating something or doing something creative, I feel like I'm missing a part of myself. I feel like things are not going in an easy direction. And if you look back at any struggle or hardship, any rough spot where the normal, maybe you should talk about it, approach isn't bringing relief or progress, more often than not, some form of art becomes that place that we lean on, whether we create it or 
listen to it or dance, whether it be grief from a loss, a shitty breakup with a lover, or when you're doing your own work on your bullshit, we look to art and music and literature and dance to find some sort of comfort to not feel so alone. Art as music and therapy, it's literally all around us. There's so many different forms of it, whether it's a way for the everyday Joe and Jane to cope with what it is they're going through to very complex methods that are more ways to deep dive trauma. Hell, there's even sound therapy that they use for newborn babies to calm anxiety because newborn anxiety is a thing. This was something I did not know until I came across it researching this episode. There's many different organizations and types of, we'll say, nonprofits that use therapy in certain ways. There's a really good one I found, arttohealing.org. They use art to facilitate healing through the affected parts of the brain, emotional and the survival-based parts. And their program uses the creative process and artwork to build a container for women and kids that have escaped sex slavery to put those hard emotions in to help create new empowering beliefs as means of therapy. I mean, that's awesome idea right there. So in the adult world, of course we have many complex emotions, unlike babies, you know, our emotions have giant definitions to them, many different layers to them and artists for years and years and years of a wide variety have used art in order to deal with their demons from you know early composers and sculptors and renaissance painters to more modern names Vincent van Gogh and Georgia O'Keeffe are two of the more famous names that have attempted to find and face their shadows through the art that they created as to where others such as Frida used art as a means to cope with the immense physical pain that she had for most of her life via an accident from when she was younger to Bob uh, Flanagan, who is a performance artist that used performance art via the subculture to deal with cystic fibrosis, which he dealt with most of his life. And then there's more modern musicians, of course. I mean, we can go down the list here. Eric Clapton suffered from depression. He, well, he's not dead, but he suffered with it his whole entire life and uses rock and roll to help deal with that. Sid Barrett from Pink Floyd, he kind of succumbed to mental health disorders while he was in Pink Floyd and had to be committed and institutionalized because of it. There's other names like Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell that were not able to use arts to work past their demons, and eventually their demons got the best of them, unfortunately. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, you heard the song Hurt. He almost didn't put it on the downward spiral because of how close he was to the subject matter and didn't think that anybody really wanted to hear it. Eventually Johnny Cash covered it in his fantastic own way, and became very well known for it. 
there's a really interesting musician that's out there. Uh, his name's uh, Nicholas Carlson from the European metal band Orbit Culture. And in reading up on him, uh, they're an outstanding band, by the way. He has a form of self-harm anxiety called Harm OCD. And through Orbit Culture's music, he's been able to use it as an outlet to, to investigate and really dive into those parts of himself in order to share it with other people. Should be noted, side note, they have a really fantastic track called The Shadowing. Go figure. I mean, musicians all over the place have been doing this for years and years and years where they are going through struggles and they write songs about it and try to use it as a means, uh, a cathartic means of you know, venting and dealing. But there's also something to be said for doing the work first and then seeing what comes out of it. A dear friend of mine who has been doing shadow work and work for PTSD in his own world for quite a while uh, explained to me in dealing with creation uh, to cope with his shadow work, he approached it more from the dive in to the shadow first and create afterwards and see what emerges from it to better understand the process as he told me, he did this as a way to sh see what shows up and found that very personal stuff ended up asking for a voice once he was able to identify it. This was kind of in correlation with the Stephen Pressfield approach to understanding the relationship between your shadow and the art itself. And in looking at how Stephen Pressfield approaches things such as resistance within a human which is one of the most stifling things that we can have. Instead of looking at shadow work as a resistance sort of based concept, he looked at it as a means of assistance, like being able to say, okay, instead of this fighting this, I'm going to kind of work with it, see what comes out of it. That's something we talk about all the time in the podcast is acceptance of what is in order to work with it instead of against it. So there's two approaches to it. Depending on where you're at, either one could work just fine for being able to express yourself. Some people are unable to express themselves until they deal with what they're needing to deal with. Other people can do it at the same time, kind of work in linear with it. And there's a lot of things that you can look at music-wise that are interesting on in how the human brain is connected to it. Like, for example... There's people out there, I being one of them, that I get happy when I listen to angry, fast music. I couldn't tell you why. Something about really fast, angry music out of nowhere makes me like just smile, and it makes me feel a little bit better. Turns out, it's not so much the matter or the lyrics, but it's the uh, energy of it that helps manage feelings of stress your brains actually respond and connect to the beats and the tones. They link to the cerebellum or the feeling parts of the brain before the frontal lobe gets to, gets to process them. There's actually more music facts on how we process it as humans. For example, when you listen to a song, your brain expects outcomes. Scientifically proven, this is something that uh, is a little bit more recent. When you're listening to a song and the patterns are done within the song and you've heard an outcome within the song, dopamine is actually released. This is why when we listen to a song that has perfect flow from start to finish, 
we feel some sort of euphoria or reward. There are songs that do this to me, and I come across them every so often, brand new ones, and they make me kind of throw a chair across the room. If you're a passionate person, you might know what that is like. When you hear a song from start to finish, that feels perfect in every way. I'm going to actually play you a clip (laughs) because I want you to kind of understand what I'm saying when it comes to this. So just listen to this uh, song part. This is one of those songs. It's uh, by Machina. It's called Cryoshock. Something about it, the flow of it, how it drops is perfect. It might not be your style of music, but if you appreciate music, you'll hear it and go, oh, I get this. I get this. So here, check this out real quick. Right here. That's perfect music. If you're wondering what perfect music, music theory. And all that sounds like that is what it sounds like. That's perfect from a music from a musical standpoint. That is perfect from an expression standpoint. Working with music theory, that is perfect. There's no flaw in that whatsoever. And in hearing that, the first time I heard that song, my brain went absolutely fucking crazy. Like especially that part of the song where it kicks in and then the note drops in the second bar. I'm just like, that's that is constructed as perfect as it possibly can be. Dopamine all over the place. I hope you have songs like that in your life to where you hear it and you're like, I want to share this with other people to see if they get the same reaction as me. You know they won't, but you still want to share it because it means a lot to you or it does something to you. It's funny because that actually is a great segue. Live music, which was something that 2020 kind of robbed us of. Seeing bands live. And getting to listen to music that loud amongst other people releases Oxycontin, which is a bonding uh, mechanism, (laughs) which is why you go to a big concert and everyone's just smiling and happy and a certain song gets played and people start high-fiving. And for just a brief moment in time, we're all united. Now, playing music, musicians actually have a greater number of synaptic connections in their brains. So when they play it in front of people it actually takes this whole dopamine thing to some new realm. Only people that perform in front of others get to understand what that's like. People that dance as well, things of that nature. Now, Stephen Pressfield believes that all artists have a hole in them that needs to be filled. And only two things can fill uh, that hole. It's either art or addiction, and they're basically the same pillow with the two sides. And you can be addicted to anything. I could profess to that, whether it be drugs, you know, drinking, gambling, shopping, food, sex, whatever. You can be addicted to anything. 
Now, Stephen Pressfield says, if you stop creating as an artist, then resistance will fill your life as an addiction. In order to hold it off, you have to work to create as much as possible. It's not just you can have talent and go, okay, I have talent, I'm an artist. You have to actually do the work because in order to heal yourself from any sort of trauma, you can't just post a meme and say, I'm healed. You have to do the work, which is hard, just as it is hard to be an artist and produce work over and over and over again to get better at your craft, see whether it's good or not, see whether it sticks, whether it's what you're looking for. But artists and addicts deal with the same issue. Both struggle with self-sabotage. The difference is the amateur uh, is the addict and the professional is the artist. The artist puts the work in. A friend of mine who's a musician I was talking with explained to me that about five years ago, she realized that she does her best work when she's in pain, emotional pain, that is. And she struggled for about 20 years finishing songs, reverting back to old coping habits, and she would shove the work aside. That is how resistance works, right? Allowing the resistance to take over instead of you know, really pushing to get the work done. In learning how to work with her shadow and embrace it and accept it, she started building the capacity to finish what she started and being able to put that music out in the world for others to hear and knowing that she could connect with people that way is one of the ways that she's able to heal, doing the work, putting her in a position to be able to get better in order to get healthy. Facing shadows through art is a constant and necessary journey in healing. Any musician or artist will tell you that. In shadow work, it helps us connect feelings to our past in ways we might have trouble identifying. It gives flight to these possibilities of harmonization between the person and the shadow. It can evoke feelings from buried past events and bring them to the surface for us to look at. It is a tool for reflection, expression, and an investigation of ourselves. Creation and art taps into the parts of who we are in order to shine a light on the areas we need to look at most. Whatever kind of creation it is, music, art, expression, dance, writing, these things are vital in figuring out and knowing who we are. So to all artists out there, to all creation type folks out there, those that express, that put the work in to perfect their craft, I tip my cap to you. The world needs you. And the world is glad that you do what you do. You are some of the most inspiring people out there because we know that while you're creating these things, you have your own villain self that you're dealing with on a constant basis. 